0: Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 118, back for another week. Uh, we got plenty to update on. The World Cup is underway in Australia. Uh, the crowds are getting around it here. I don't know if they are in New Zealand, but we can we can chat about it. Uh Tommy's here to join me. How are you going? Excellent. How are you, Sammy? Bloody excellent. Cooper, how are
1: you? Yeah, good, Sammy. Good to go. Awesome.
0: All right. We'll jump straight into it. We are going to talk some transfers later, some of the big moves happening in Europe. But just quickly, we want to update. The Matildas have been playing. Um, first game, Australia Island in Sydney. Great to see a packed um, Sydney football stadium, Tommy. But um, a big, big outrage before the game with the Matildas
2: announcing that Sam Kerr wouldn't be playing. No. And look, I would just like to make it known up front. Fanny News Corp journalists tuning in. I too am carrying a knock. And there will be no updates on my return to full fitness either. Good. I'm glad you've got that out there so the people know. <laughs> I just thought they should be aware of the furore that covered Kerr's absence before the game. But, I, I'm like, we all felt it. I just, I remember the, the inbox just started DM started flooding in. No Kerr, no Kerr, no Kerr. It, if the Melbourne Cup makes the nation stand still, I think this is the closest as we have gotten. Is there any of that?
0: Outrage. I guess the argument of I'm seeing a lot of arguments that for me they don't hold any weight of, you know, they just wanted to still make sure people went to the game and they felt like people wouldn't if Sam Kerr wasn't playing. I just find that complete nonsense. Um, is there any justification at all in any of this outrage?
1: No, it's ridiculous. We live in a country where we continuously have we got two sports in in Australian rules football and rugby league where late outs are just part of the game and probably every second fixture, there's one or two late outs 60 minutes to 90 minutes before the start of a game. And we've never seen a journalist or, or a, a news corp go up in arms about a late, a late exclusion from a game. So it's just, it's just ridiculous. They're just trying to make a headline again.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like even at, um, especially with someone like Sam Kerr, Anything borderline like that, you are giving, you're like you're giving Sam every chance possible to be ready for that game, aren't you? You're waiting till the latest possible deadline you can, Tommy.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's no reason that you wouldn't want Sam included up until the point, you know, where you realise that she couldn't play at all, and you're well within your rights to, to, you know, withhold that information or to try and control the situation that sees her start this game, and you know the the backlash. I think comes from the wider sporting public who were relying on Sam Kerr to like be their pinup girl to get their audience into the women's world cup. Like we come from a different perspective where we're always going to be interested anyway, because we're football fans. But when you're like a journalist or a pack of you've got Sam Kerr locked in as your number one gal. You want to make sure that she's playing every game. So you have stories and stuff that you can lead with. And I think you've seen the week that's passed, the story that's consumed, you know, News Corp and other kind of media outlets like that has been the the reluctance to release the information about Kerr's injury because they've got a space now where they had no investment in the game, but they wanted to be able to talk about it to get the clicks. Yeah. so this is it. This is the story.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, do you want to talk about the actual football? Um, an interesting game, uh, somewhat scrappy at times. Uh, the Matildas by no means
1: comfortable in this one, Cooper. Yeah. Um, football in general, probably a chronic letdown. Um, it was a pretty average game. You know, we saw New Zealand win on home soil when they weren't expected to to open the tournament and it was a whole big, exciting thing leading into to a big night for the Matildas. And then obviously, like we've just spoken about, no Kerr, different lineup, could potentially have been different tactics, but scrappy for Um but opening game of a home world cup, is there anything more is there a more difficult game in, in international football? Um, so it doesn't really matter how you win them as long as you do. And it's put them in real good stead given the results we've seen in other games as well.
0: Yeah,
2: it's still three <laughs> points at the end of the day, isn't it, Tommy?
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's at the end of
2: at the end of the game, I think that's that was my number one. Copy paste text everyone as well. That'll do three points. We're off the mark. Yeah. Um I, I was a little underwhelmed with the with the way that we played. Just, I think, the consistently missed passes really brought us undone. Um, you know, I thought we were okay bringing the ball out of the back. Ireland employed, you know, the feature of the World Cup at the moment, which has been the five at the back, the low block. And so that stymied any kind of attacking threat that we had, unless we were very, very good. But I still felt like we were missing the second pass in the build-up. There was a lot of times where Carpenter wasn't hitting him, Razo wasn't hitting them. Uh, Cooney Cross couldn't get a passing game on either. So there's there's definitely improvement to come, I think, in the Tillies.
0: Yeah. I think the highlight of the game for me was um, obviously great to see Steph Catley score, got the goal from the spot. But uh, a lot of people uh, rightly hyping up Katrina Gorey's game. Best on ground for me in centre midfield.
1: Without a doubt. Hey, absolute machine, Cooper. Uh, like head and shoulders for mine, best on. Yeah, can we stop doing this thing? In games where we give man of the match to just the player that scored, the goal it, scorer, the people it, that are, like from the spot too, are the people that are watching these games actually like that are giving sorry giving these awards out actually watching these games with intent and properly like Katrina Gory was she was probably given best on yeah best on ground from but, left back
2: yeah. the the official best on yeah
1: yeah right. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought she might have been second
2: best on, but like, the, Katrina we're, Gorey not, was,
1: we're not saying we're saying
2: she had a bad, game but, had a bad was, game. but
1: Katrina Gorey was head and shoulders above the other ten players on the pitch for the Matildas, and I mean the other twenty one on the pitch in general. She was great, and she's such a joy to watch.
2: The way that she she covers every blade of grass, which is what you want from your your box to box deep lying. Yeah. Um, but just, I love her enthusiasm in the challenge and the way she's not afraid to get into the face of uh, the, the Irish players who were up for it. And they, they were absolutely they, up for it. I think they felt that their aggressiveness and the physicality could unnerve us a little bit, but she was a big part of why we weren't sucked into those games. And her and I think Hayley Razzo as well, just watching those two team up to like fend off Katie McCabe and the others who were trying to lay in uh, challenges was brilliant. That was such great theatre.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you glad you noted Hayley Razo there, Tom. I was going to say she did. I thought she potentially not her best game on the ball and didn't offer a lot of tackling, but she went at Katie McCabe just as hard as Katie McCabe went at her. And I th- I mean, I'm watching it right now. Katie McCabe's physicality is breaking teams apart. They can't play through it. And that's what the Irish have come to this tournament to do. So very well done to Haley Razo for standing up to it.
0: I'm going to skip forward. A week to where we are now. Uh, we'll go back and talk about some of the other football, but the Matilda, we're on the eve of another Matildas game. They play Nigeria tomorrow. As we record, the other teams in the group are currently one-all. Um, Canada and Ireland, it's pretty much half time. Um Canada drew their first game, nil-all with Nigeria. So this is a great opportunity for Australia to get through to the knockout stage with a game to spare. Um but they're going to be without Sam Kerr still, and now added to the list, Mary Fowler, who was the other option up front, who ended up playing next to Caitlin Ford the other night. Um, also, the defend uh, what's it, uh, Lewick is also out, Lewick, I believe. Yeah, yeah, uh, wasn't didn't feature against Ireland um, either in the starting lineup or off the bench, so maybe not a huge loss there. But uh, Fowler
2: being the backup option to to Kerr at this point is a big out. How have they both come up with wild concussion, but apparently in separate incidences? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. There were some great memes getting around today. Are they are they seriously just headbutting each other in training? What do you reckon? You would hope not, but I'd hope not. I mean, are we trying to add some kind of steel to the a little bit of edge to the Matildas? They're just razzing each other up a little bit too vigorously. It's 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 such a shame. I mean, is this going to be a tournament now that's going to be uh, dictated by injuries for the Matildas, which, you know, going into where there's so much hype and hope. And then if you get struck down in a couple of key positions, this could really unravel any kind of tournament. Um, we're, we're fortunate we got the first win and coming into this game, you know, Nigeria, they didn't really show everything that you thought they could in the first that they had. So are they a sleeping beast ready to be unearthed or are we just going to go into this and win comfortably hopefully how do you replace the attacking lineup is is the question and i
1: don't have an answer do you play chidiak false nine i I don't know cooper might know a little bit more than me it'll probably be caitlin ford through the middle um and they will just shuffle a few things around play a few different players out wide and chidiak might find herself in the 10 because of it um I don't know if you have anything else to say on it, Tommy, but I was just going to put a bit of a, a cloud and a shadow over Tony Gustavson's selection coming undone a little bit with these injuries. Um, Kaya Simon picked in this squad, um, been at Tottenham since 2021 now, only played 14 games since her signing there in 2021, um, is out of contract at Tottenham, yet to sign a new one, so currently a free agent. So 14 games in the last three years, currently a free agent. Um, nearly 40 years of age. Is it just a sentiment selection from from Tony Gustafsson who probably thought, you know, we've got two girls that are going to play all the games up front in front of Kaya. She deserves a, a farewell song. And we've left young. Um, there's a lot of pre-tournament, a little bit of disrupt about Melina Ayers, from, uh, sorry, Melina Ayers from Melbourne Victory. Don't know too much about her, but 15 goals in 13 games in the A-League women's season just gone, left out of the squad so Kaya could could come into the squad and and have a home World Cup as a bit of a Matilda's farewell. But now, you know, game two of the tournament, we're left, we're left without a real striker. I
2: wholeheartedly agree with you, Cooper, in the sense that it is a sentiment option. And, you know, the track record of Kai Simon, unfortunately, doesn't bode well for being a third striker in this kind of tournament. And you do have to bank on whether or not you're going to get injuries to your first-team players and then even the backup players. Like that's the whole reason that you get 23 is so that you can pick a third option who is the absolute best and at the peak of their powers. I've always been an advocate for Chelsea Dorber, but that's that's just Adelaide bias, I think. But I think there's a whole host of uh, W League or a- ALW players getting around that should have been in you know, the consideration or you know, at least picked for this t- uh, team in case this happened.
0: Cool. I agree. Um, we'll move it on. Uh, that's enough of the Matildas. Hopefully they get the job done tomorrow night. Um, I want to rewind now. Obviously there's been a bunch of other football played. We're not going to go through every game, but I might just give you guys some of my highlights and then you can uh, feel free to tell us yours and you can double up on some. That's fine. Um, so obviously the other host nation, New Zealand getting a win in their first game, but then uh, yesterday going down to the Philippines, with the Philippines getting their first world cup win. That was pretty good to see. Um, other things I've enjoyed, I've really enjoyed watching Spain. I've seen both Spain games at the moment and I've seen both Japan games and both teams have impressed me a bit. Um, I enjoy the football they play. And the other one was uh, Brazil. Brazil playing in Adelaide. Great to see Highmark Stadium hosting World Cup football. I was interested. I was curious. Um, I, knew, I, I knew it was going to be uh, busy and sold out. I wasn't expecting... Maybe that many, uh, that much of a Brazilian atmosphere in the ground as to what we saw, and some of the footage we've seen from outside the ground, uh, walking past the entertainment center, things like that, with all the instruments and people. I've spoken to that have been to the game,
2: um, were really hyping it up. It's great to see, isn't it? To have, I'm so glad Adelaide got a big nation because they could have easily have made this that like all of the big teams played in you know the top five cities in Australia and New Zealand vast to get to Brazil was massive because uh, we do have a large Brazilian contingent in this state and the way that they packed out the Gov pregame and the way that they, you know, conducted their, their pregame march And, and uh, there was a really great clip of them uh, singing the national anthem and it was coordinated so that they cut down the volume for the last couple of uh, verses. And it just, or well, not the last couple of verses, the last couple of words uh, of the national anthem. And it was just, it was brilliant. The whole way that South Australia has embraced, I think, Brazil um, being in this Women's World Cup tournament has been great to see. And, yeah, the clips are brilliant. We've been sharing them on Twitter. Like, if you need to see them, there's heaps of them getting around.
1: Yeah, love it. Um, Great atmosphere in Adelaide. Um, Like you said, Sam, New Zealand provided one of the highlights of the tournament on opening day, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and then handed one of the highlights of the tournament to the Philippines in in the next game. Um, I don't think enough has been spoken about how much of an opportunity missed that was for, for New Zealand uh, losing that game to the Philippines. Uh, with the way that group is sat now and the way the game between uh, Switzerland and Norway went went after that game, if New Zealand had beat the Philippines, they would be through in this group. Yep. Um, and now potentially, you know, they've left the door open to Norway who are last in the group with one point after two games, but get to play the Philippines in this third group game for group A, uh, to jump them if they lose if New Zealand lose to Switzerland and all of a sudden no knockout football for New Zealand. Um, yeah, hasn't really been spoken about as an opportunity missed for them, but it's going to be a massive opportunity missed if they don't play knockout football in this tournament.
2: Yeah, this is this is a great group. And this is the one that I didn't anticipate would be the most competitive. But when you've got Norway sitting at the bottom after two games and, you know, you've got a Philippine side that's won their first, the scenes again, afterwards, the, the pure unbridled joy, uh, the tears streaming down the face of all the players. That's like, this is the energy that you want to bottle in a women's world cup and send it out to the world. Um, But for me, yeah, the story is, um, is Norway in this. Uh, (laughs) I can't believe they've gone, you know, four matches without scoring in a major Six overall without a win. Like this is panic stations for a side that I think you and I thought had the best front three in the cup and would come out and try and deliver something.
1: Yeah, well, we spoke about the prominence of Arta Hegeberg in this side um, and she copped an injury in game one, uh, came off a little, a little earlier than they probably would have liked and they didn't get the result they wanted out of it. Um, but then was good to go for game two. Starting lineup in the in the on pitch warm up ten minutes before kickoff, Back down the race didn't feature at all. Not even on the, not even on the bench for Norway. So massive loss for them. Uh, no news yet as to whether she plays in the third group game. But if she doesn't, they could be in some trouble. It's so it's just especially
2: sour for her uh, Um, who's basically going to fail to feature in almost a decade for Norway in like Olympics and World Cup tournaments. And it's just it's seen as a massive loss to what this nation could have achieved.
0: I mentioned uh, Japan and I mentioned Spain kind of turning on. There's a few. It seems to me at the moment we've got a World Cup uh, mixed with teams that are just kind of grinding it out at the moment and others that are really putting the foot down. USA uh, being another one of those, putting the foot down. They won 3-0 against Vietnam. Um, Germany smashed Morocco, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Morocco 6-0. Uh, Brazil 1-4-0, who we've already mentioned. Um, and then others like England. I thought this was so typically England, actually, that their first game was a <laughs> 1-0 win with a penalty halfway through the first half. I feel like I've just seen that movie so many times from from the men's team that it's good to see the women's team follow the footsteps. They are going to come through. They've they're just timed their run, I think. But um,
2: like we said, first game of the tournament, you just want the three points, don't you? A, a retaken pen at that, <laughs> like a retaken pen, <laughs> yeah. Which we've seen a little bit of in this tournament, as keepers encroaching and having penalties retaken. I thought I thought it was funny that England limped to victory, uh, but it was a it was a dogged Haiti, uh, right? Uh, game a few chances, but that maybe reflects how well they defended, but also England's uh, lack of forward presence without Beth Mead. Maybe, you know, you're banking on them being a timing their run or being a a sleeping giant running into this. I'm not entirely sure. I think the Denmark game will be very telling and whether or not they can outscore them in that fixture, I think will dictate whether or not they can progress into this tournament to the, into the, you know, the upper echelon.
1: Yeah. They're going to be an interesting side to watch England. Um, Obviously lots of people hot on them after they won the euros and the year just gone. Um, but you know, we're, we're less than 12 months down the track from that tournament and four players from the starting 11 from that Euro finals team uh not available for this tournament. So it's it's a it's a strung out English side. And I think in game one, we've seen that if they don't if they don't work it out, they're potentially they're going to struggle. Um Sam, I think you spot on the money. Spain and Japan have been the two teams that have really just put sides away, eight goals and seven goals across two wins respectively. Um that game's gonna be a really interesting one. That Spain-Japan one. Um, Spain have left the queue in the rack a little bit. Uh, we were talking about it earlier pre-show. Uh, Alexia Patea only played forty-five minutes of a p- potential one hundred and eighty for Spain so far. Twenty-nine-year-old uh, captain of the side, two-time Ballon d'Or winner, you know, forty-five minutes in a, in a potential one hundred and eighty. They they potentially have a lot more to come. Still, Spain and they could be a really hard team to beat in this tournament. There was you a know? lot of yeah, sorry. No. There was a lot of pre tournament chat about them being the favorites.
0: Yeah, they um they looked awesome the other night even without patea But um, you know once once she gets into that starting lineup and they're ticking along, they've just been really stylish. Them and um Japan, just the style of football they have played, um really good. Enjoyed watching it. Um, we need to touch on we haven't done it yet, but Tommy, you've been in the firing line this week all over the place, and rightly so. I feel <laughs> not just from us on this pod but from members of the general public uh they found their way into your inboxes now you mm-hmm. are copying a lot for the uh zambia smoky cool
2: and i guess we yeah. should just give you a platform here to try and justify yourself it's not just in my inbox there's the guy selling the big issue on the on the way into work has been giving <laughs> me shit for it and i thought that was particularly interesting he like, he's correct, but I feel for my Smokies deep down because they had a decent Olympic campaign and then they knocked off Germany in the build-up. They drew with Switzerland. They lost to Ireland by a goal. I thought coming into the World Cup, they were going to be a side that didn't, like, employ the five at the back. They didn't want to do the low block. They they went out there and they've, they've played the bloody four two three one. And they have opened themselves up to two very professional units, like two. You've commented now saying that they're probably the two best you've seen. Maybe that's enhanced by how bad Zambia, are, but I prefer to think that they're trying to play football in the right way, and that's why I mark them as my smoky. Um, okay.
0: Um, I feel they haven't touched the ball enough to be even attempting to play football in the right way yet. So, uh, well, they're out. They're gone. So that's all over. But uh, just it's thought only it'd be nice to give you, give you that platform there. Also, by that logic of their performances pre-tournament, Wrexham could win the
2: Premier League this year. I would hope so. I would hope so. But wait, can you hear the faint cries of, it's our under-21s in the background? I can hear it. It's there. Um, okay. Anything else Women's World Cup related before we head on? I really liked um, at one of the stadiums, it may have been in Melbourne, um, when families were going, oh, when attendees were going up to purchase halftime food, drinks, etc. They were handing out Panini stickers, the Women's World Cup sticker books and the stickers that yep. go you know, within them. I'm such a sucker for this when it comes into the, the World Cup tournament. I, I see it. I go into a news agency. I see it. I buy the book. I drop a bundle on the stickers to begin with. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. I'm going to fill this fucking thing up. And then you end up getting like four or five of the same player and you think, oh, there's no way I'm going to fill this up. Yeah, but I that's that's really cool, and they're like that with the World Cup match guide that SBS put out. Those are the two things I always try and keep from World Cups, and so I saw a video of that and I thought that was fucking
1: brilliant. I just uh, already, Tom, the Panini Women's World Cup stickers are also currently the Happy Meal toy at McDonald's, which is is quite wild, Uh, yeah. Just you know, these young kids opening their Happy Meals, um, to their potential futures. We're gonna get sentimental.
0: No, look at that. We get deep, get deep on here. Um, let's move it's it on. An
1: emotional World Cup, Sam.
0: Let's move it on. Uh, Tommy, I believe you were going to take us through. You had a list here. We can go through one by one or however you like of uh
2: transfers, both confirmed or rumored, Or rumored. Uh, there's uh, there might be some overlap because obviously we don't know what we've said in the past. That's I can't remember listening. shit. And you create group chats and you let us know what we've done. But number one transfer <laughs> that has occurred so far <laughs> has been Declan Rice. <laughs> West Ham to Arsenal. £100 million plus add-ons. We may have talked about this. We may have not. I think we should bundle this in with the Kai Havertz. Chelsea to Arsenal, £65 million. Sammy, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel good. I feel good. Uh, copped some shit about Havertz already. But I
0: need to stick to my guns on this. I thought he was a great signing for Chelsea hasn't worked out. I think that's pretty obvious, but there's definitely still a player there. And I think at this point with what Arsenal have done the last couple of years, I think we need to trust their process at the moment and their recruiting Um, to have watched him all season and him not deliver. And they still are happy to go after that player. I think I've just got to trust it for now. I think that's a good one. Um, Declan Rice, I think is a brilliant signing. I think that's perfect. Um, Thomas Partey misses a lot of football through injury. Um, and even if he doesn't, um, Rice can slot into he can probably do the role Xhaka is doing. He's done it for West Ham. He he can get around. He's not as um locked in as a six as some people think. He does move around a lot. He could I could easily see him doing that Xhaka role if he's playing next to Thomas Party, And if
2: Thomas Partey's not there, he can just play that role. So Yeah. I have an interesting feeling that party may have a couple of weeks off due to court cases coming up. So it it's looks probably that a way. good thing. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. Um, There's been some criticism whether or not Rice can carry the ball in the manner that Arsenal need. And you may, yeah, I can see you flippantly. I don't. They're, like, Where does he need to carry it? Yeah, like five yards forward into Havertz's S- feet, right? Or uh, Odegaard's feet. Odegaard, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, it's
0: just not really. It, since since when, when has anyone watched Arsenal this year and watched a uh, deep-lying six pick up the ball and mm. dribble with it? A mile. Why would he need to do
2: that? Precisely. No, thank you. That's exactly what I thought. Um, Number two in this list is Jude Bellingham. I'm sure we've done this. Uh, We mentioned that he would be
0: leaving. I'm not sure we have mentioned he's definitely gone to Real Madrid. Unsure. But do we need to say anything really? Irreplaceable.
2: Yep. Irreplaceable for Dorman. A huge fee, but may not even be... A fee worthy of his talent going forward. And who knows? If he spends 10 years at Real Madrid and they win what? Three Champions League, four Champions League, is gonna be worth it. So yeah. Brilliant talent. Can't wait to see him. Uh number four in this list is one that Cooper was spruiking uh pre-Pod and I responded, who? Um <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna walk us through this one?
1: Um if you're referring to uh Dominic Schoberschleier, uh yeah, signed for Liverpool it seems we've really reshaped uh the midfield we've got going. Uh Soboschle coming in, McAllister there as well, uh, Henderson on the way out, potentially Fabinho on the way out. So it's probably the rebuilding in that midfield that Liverpool supporters have been asking for for the last couple of years now. Um, will it work? Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, steps in the right direction. Um, and a, yeah, midfielder, a midfielder and a Liverpool team born after me. I don't know how that makes you two feel about the way oh. things are going in the Premier League these oh. days. But
2: I've been grappling with this for years there there's been so many new generations of players that I was like, Oh my God, I could be his dad. <laughs> he <laughs> I'm excited to see how this goes. Cause like you said, Liverpool have been without a midfielder for a uh, midfield rejuvenation for a while now. And um, I thought is Fabinho heading to Saudi Arabia? Is that where he's going?
1: Yeah. There's um a little bit, an interesting thing with the Fabinho transfer. And it's looking like it may fall through. Um, Liverpool supporters, you know, if you follow Fabinho on social media or anything, you'll know um, this man is more obsessed with his two dogs than anything in the universe. Um, And he's essentially been told that they don't surpass the the at-home pet laws. uh, They're not the right breed (laughs) to be an at-home pet in Saudi Arabia. Um, so he wouldn't be able to take his dogs with him if he moved to the Saudi League, and the transfer is virtually falling apart because of it.
0: His dogs don't kill enough
2: journos. (laughs) This is the part that the agents don't tell you about, isn't it? It's like your dogs need a kill list of at least three public servants or journalists into the nation.
1: Or start a live golf
0: event. If
1: Fabinho's dogs start a live golf event, then they can go. Yeah, thankfully, Um, um, the Saudis didn't tell Jordan Henderson that he had to leave his rainbow armband at home. Otherwise, he might not have made the trip either. (laughs) What? Are you
2: saying that he's forgotten about his social uh, progressiveness? No. Money wouldn't do that to an individual, surely. What's next? What's next? I wanted to insert quickly uh, a rumour, which is probably the biggest rumour of the week and is going to dominate the transfer window. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is going to be... Offered 700 million pounds for one season at Al-Khalal. Surely this isn't real. We're not... Uh, This can't be... This can't be happening, happening. is it? I'm going to say it's
0: not... I'm going to just go out and say it's not going to happen. Probably will now. I have a terrible track record of these things, but I'm going to say it's not going to happen. He's just going to sit there. He's going to let his contract run out and then he's going to go to Real Madrid for free.
1: Yeah, well the rumor with Al Hilal is that they've um told Kylian Mbappe's agent and potentially they will look into it early days about a pre pre-end of contract signing that if Mbappe goes to Al Halal for the next 12 months they will allow him to walk to Real Madrid after. Um a lot of the discussion you, that is That would get
2: that over the line surely.
1: Yeah, well a lot of the discussion is, you know, would he why would he draw, why would he go from, you know, his pla- well for starters I don't agree that he's playing in France. The level's not that high anyway. Um <laughs> it's not it's not top five. It's not no, it's, you're, you're totally right. Regardless of that, going to Saudi, obviously he's going to play at a lower standard. And everyone's going, is he going to risk it at this age where he should be coming into his, his best years to go to a lower division and then come back to Real Madrid up up higher, a top five league in Europe, um, competing in the Champions League, he might let his form down, he might let his ability down. Will he, will he fall off? Um, he surely wouldn't do that to himself. And I'm just sitting here like, if my employer came up to me and said, I'm going to double your pay for the next twelve months. You just have to perform at a lower level. Would you do it? Oh, that's oh,
2: that's such a great no. question. Because I've always thought, I love the way that you frame that, though. Because if I could do less and earn more, I'll do it every Absolutely, fucking you would. Of the day. Absolutely, you would. You'd be stupid not to.
0: That's it's a stu- but that it's a stupid comparison. I'm going to say
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, you sorry because I don't agree with it the either. money
0: we earn to like. If I play for PSG and I'm earning the money Mbappe's earning, I'd rather live in Paris earning that money than have to move to Saudi Arabia for more money when I don't even need the extra money.
1: I just do yeah, it and retire it. three years earlier though. It's amazing. you know, We talk about these these footballers not needing extra money, but these guys continuously just end their careers with money move after money move. So why, what's yeah, the but- difference doing it in the middle of your career?
2: Yeah, but they that's what I mean. You could have one big contract and retire for the rest of your life. Like, we view footballers and their pay in a different stratosphere, but you think about how much we earn and what we get by on. That is what a footballer earns in one year. So Jordan so, Henderson's
1: pay increase going from Liverpool to Saudi Arabia oh, is six times the contract he's on a Liverpool. I didn't want to get into that. but That's all
2: that, gross. That, We're going to move it on. Move that's it on. the one. That's the one that upsets me the most, I think, is Henderson. Moving on to number six. Um Oh, number five, sorry. Mason Mount, Chelsea, Man United, 55 mil plus add-ons. This I'm sure we did. Regardless, I saw him play against Leeds. Leeds played Man United in a preseason friendly for, I don't know, just a reason to upset me, I imagine. Um, He was quite good in that. And I think he's going to fulfill a role for Man United. One that maybe Sabitzer could have done if they had given him the opportunity and maybe the license to roam like they should have. Um, Which leads me to... So Bidza has gone to Borussia Dortmund for €20 million, I believe, Sammy. Mm. Good signing?
0: Yeah, good signing. I think I said to you during the week, he was. I've often liked him as a Bundesliga player. Obviously, didn't have the best of times at um, United. You could say what you like about the different quality of the leagues. I wouldn't agree to that necessarily, but they are certainly two different styles of football. Um, And he was excellent for RB Leipzig uh when he was there and then um he's played his role at, at Bayern um Dortmund happy to have him you know because Bayern have Raffy Guerrero coming in the dog who left Dortmund uh has gone to Bayern he said he as soon as Thomas Tuchel rang him that he was always going to say yes because it's Bayern um so what a way to ruin your legacy um <laughs> but Sabitzer, Sabitzer will be Sabitzer will be handy and he's probably a player they do need coming in there with the other players they've got in there, obviously, you can't replace Bellingham, but you know, it's like, um, Dahoud and Emre Chan, and they really need some something fresh. So, this is a good mm. move.
2: Yep. Yeah, Keen to see how it plays out. Um, I don't think footballers care about legacy anymore, to be honest with you, because the amount no, of Leeds players that stood in front of the uh, uh, what is it, club first, side second. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then have moved after they got us relegated it has been unreal. So, there's yep. no legacy with football. It's, it's all it's all money. It's yep. all success. Uh number business. six, speak, business, business as usual. Speaking of business as usual and side side of a success, Sandro Tanali mm. has gone from AC Milan to Newcastle. 52 million pounds.
1: Yeah. Doesn't he look thrilled about it, too, in every single photo or video you've seen of him? Um, did you see my, that one where they're walking through the gym? The gym, that's my favourite one. They're walking through the gym and his girlfriend goes, wow, this is this is a lot bigger than Milan, isn't it? What do you think, Sandro? And he goes, Milan bigger and just keeps walking. <laughs> just, do you want to be here or not, mate? <laughs> well, he didn't want it, did he? It doesn't seem that way. Um,
0: Obviously, he, you know... They've obviously had the word with him at Milan that uh, he's. They're getting rid of him either way. So take your pick. So he's obviously ended up with Newcastle. Um, I don't know in these situations how much. Obviously, a player gets final say, but you know if a club doesn't want you, you're gonna have. You may as well go. You're not gonna stick around at a club who doesn't want you if you're gonna be pushed out like that. Um, especially a club like Milan at the moment, who we did talk about towards at the end of last season, they sacked Maldini. Um and they sacked the other guys. So they lost they've sacked uh sporting director and football director with no intention of replacing them. Um they're just gonna the invest the American investment group's just gonna run the club um as a bunch of yes men without anyone kind of kind of standing up to them, which Maldini did, and Maldini put together this squad and Tonali was a big part of that squad. And he was a massive he's like one of he'd be in my top five current players easily mm-hmm. um just due to how much he was he was proper like bleed red and black a proper Milan footballer who loved the club and wanted to stay I'd say um but has been forced out and off he goes so I'm sure he would do a good job for Newcastle he looks a brilliant player I keep telling people it was a bit of a hybrid between uh Perlo on the ball Gattuso off it um oh what a combination dude <laughs> he is obviously not that levels of talent yet yeah, he's still pretty raw. He's rough around the edges. He will get the odd red card, um, but he's still super young. There's a there's a talented player in here for sure. Oh yeah,
2: and if you put him in a midfield with uh, Goomierrish and uh, Joe Linton, that that looks world beating all of a sudden.
0: Yeah,
1: it has to be um, uh, the ultimate football slap across the face to be moved on by a club that you love in AC Milan and be replaced by Ruben Loftus Cheek.
2: Oh.
0: Uh, yeah we're not going down this road
1: we'll leave that no no RLC
2: hate on this pod we've copped that before and we won't do we won't go down that again oh we'll we'll
0: actually say I do think Loftus-Cheek will do a he'll 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 play a role he'll be okay um it's just you know like the rumored the rumored and confirmed signings of players that Milan are able to get with the money from Tonali is like, that's all well and good, but it just feels like a bit of the soul has been taken out when you combine Tonali with Maldini's axing.
2: Mm. No, definitely. And you need that when you're trying to enforce a club culture. Um, I like what you said about the American investment. I'm very concerned that Jordan Spieth and Michael Phelps are going to be calling transfer shots (laughs) in a couple of years of leads.
0: Could happen. You just never know. It's a toy for some of these people.
2: Yeah. And they seem to be enjoying themselves. Someone on this is very golf chat now. Someone on one of the greens that he was he was playing off shattered. Leeds need a left back as he took his shot. <laughs> and I love that this is eking into the world of golf right now. Um you'd, um, you'd want to hope that his
1: mate it. you'd want to hope that his mate Justin Thomas is a better football club owner than he is golfer at the moment. Or <laughs> he might be in some serious trouble. Well,
2: not, um, not sh- sorry, go on no i was gonna say night shift golf chat i love
0: it yeah
2: let's start a golf pod uh anyway we'll chat about that off air. carry on uh number seven christopher in which is one of the more prolonged transfers has been going on finally chelsea get to confirm what everyone pretty much already knew he was joint top scorer in the bundesliga 16 goals yep. uh, for leipzig i mean they're gonna ruin him right
0: uh, I hope not. Uh, he's he's excellent. I love watching him play. Um, please don't ruin him, Chelsea. That's all I got to say on that.
1: Yeah, yeah well, much much for him. He seems like watching training videos of him. He looks like they're trying to do the same thing they've done with every Chelsea attacker they've signed in the last five years, and it's just play utter pace up front and kick the ball over the top and hope for the best.
2: Oh, that'll be great. That'll be great for the content coming into the new season. Um. How many more do you want me to go through? I've got a couple of good. What have What have you got? Um, uh, Ruben ne- uh, Ruben Neves, who yeah. Sam put in his, uh Billy it was his Premier League, uh, Did. five-a-side team of the year. He's gone to Al halal as well. I believe I well justified it too, but um, carry on. Well, forty-seven million pounds, maybe, maybe does justify that fact.
0: Yeah, uh, we we've done Neves, I think, but. Um... Yeah, no strong feelings either way, is what it is. Not going to miss him.
2: No, they're not going to miss him. They'll be able to sign someone with that kind of money. They'll be able to sign three players that will perform in the Premier League. They employ a Brighton scouting system. Uh, Andre Anana, Inter Milan to Man United, who they signed for a free transfer only two years or three years previous, has gone for £45 million. Crazy what Inter have done. Brilliant goalkeeper. Is this the guy that Man United need?
0: Uh, yeah. Brilliant goalkeeper. Uh, big fan. I'm not sure. I haven't kept tabs on Inter to see what their plan is to replace him or who they have there, but yeah, brilliant keeper. He came, he went into an Inter side to replace... Um, oh, is it Handanovic?
1: Yeah, my mind with That blank out, sounds right. But a veteran
0: keeper right. who had been there for a long time and was very, very reliable, but just got a little bit old and started to drop off. Onana came in and changed it up. They won a league. Um, He's... Was helping them
2: challenge for the league again. Um, good pickup for United. Final.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, brilliant. Can he play out from the back, Cooper? That's what we're. That's what we're concerned with. Supposedly can. Um, seems to be the reason that. Yeah, seems to be the reason that they've brought him in and pushed DDG on his way. Uh, they want to move to this style of football where they play out from the back, which seems very Premier League football specific these days. So they're trying to move in that direction.
2: All right, let's cycle through a quick, uh, quick few. Uh, Kim Min Jay, who all of us had as our favorite European centre back, has gone to not Man United, Bayern Munich. Yeah, this is gonna curl some toes on the pot, I think.
0: Yeah, gross. That's all I have to That's say. Nice. It's just gross. I just, it's fucking gross. If our loyal listeners would not need to be reminded of how much I just despise Bayern and just hearing their name just makes me sick. So the fact they've signed Kim is just. Just, I would have been happy to see him at United. I was actually keen to see how he would go in a man out a back line that looked pretty shonky at times but good at others, um, depending on who you would put in there as his partner. I thought Lissandro and Kim would have been good in there. But, no, nope, Bayern Munich have got their way, and um, it's just the easy option, isn't it? Let's just go to Bayern and win some trophies. Easy,
2: easy career. Same. Could you imagine a United back three of Kim, uh, uh, the Butcher, and uh, Varane? Yeah. Like that, that would be something you would actually want to tune in and watch.
0: Wow. I do want to, I am also completely disrespecting anyone's efforts as professional footballers for buying, but you know,
2: <laughs> not, not, yeah. so business, though. not so business. No, 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 no. We take <laughs> him. We good. like him. Yep. He's a good egg. All right. Couple for you, Coop. Here we go. Uh, Leicester are shelling all of their good players. Uh, Harvey Barnes has gone to Newcastle for 38 million pounds. And James Madison has gone to Spurs for $40 Good business for Leicester or have these two clubs overpaid?
1: I think good business for both. Uh, I don't think Leicester were ever keeping either of them. And I think they were well aware of that. Gives them a nice kitty to to try and rebuild a touch. Um, Madison, I think a great signing for Spurs. I think they needed an attacking midfielder that was going to get higher up the pitch and keep Harry Kane from having to drop too deep to to get the ball and and playing, you know, Son and Richarlison wide and just not being there. I think Madison's the kind of guy that's going to want to get on the ball in advanced positions for him, and I think he really suits that attacking 4-3-3 that Ange likes to play as well. Um, I just wanted to – I was hoping you'd bring that up. I just wanted to know uh, one for you, Sam, that as we talk, Spurs are currently playing a friendly in Singapore against a club called the Lion City Sailors and richarlison has just scored a second half hat trick in 17 minutes and whipped his shirt off and done a pigeon celebration <laughs> no, no hasn't. he hasn't that's bait cooper's trying to bait me that's not real <laughs> that's fake that's fucking fake no i'm looking at uh, i'm looking at pictures of it on twitter right now
0: no comment until i can
2: confirm or deny it and as we know elon musk's plaything is the the modicum of truth right now just, are we
1: ever going to forgive Ange Postacoglu if he turns Richarlison into a half-watchable Premier League footballer?
2: No, he should sell him right now if he had any fucking kind of gumption about the man. No, he probably would. And he'd probably find a a route for Richarlison to score both goals in important games this season.
1: Um yeah, Harvey Barnes, uh, interesting one. I really rate Harvey Barnes. Not sure Newcastle would have been the destination I would have wanted to end up at if I was Harvey Barnes. They're already pretty strong in the top end and you still don't know what else they're going to bring in either. I think he would have suited more like a, a club like an Aston Villa or someone like that where there's guaranteed, you know, 70 to 80 minutes of football a week for him and he can show off his Premier League talents a bit.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, This is just prime... Newcastle at the moment stockpiling good footballers who are going to perform in the Premier League. So uh this is what we have to get used to, I think. Next. Oh yeah, we're still going. I've got I've got well, one. What have you got? I've got well, a couple good more. Um uh Timber, Julian Timber, Ajax to Arsenal. Yeah. Thirty five million. Not bad, not bad. We we did talk this one. We can move on. Lucas Hernandez, I thought was an interesting one, from Bayern Munich to PSG for 35 mm. mil as well. Uh, he was Bayern's record signing at one point. And to ship him off now to the Qatari owned is an interesting option, I think. Do you know more about who they're going to replace him with or...?
0: Uh, not a clue at
1: this stage, but um, he's the he's the shite Hernandez who's always injured as well. So I just um, I just wondered if at any point in his career again after this move that he's going to actually want to pretend to be a real professional footballer again, or is he just going to uh, keep jumping to these clubs that win leagues for fun and he's got no effect on it all?
2: Yeah, well, surely it's better than moving to the Saudi, right? Surely. It is. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'd want I'd one final point for you, Sammy. Go on. Tyler Adams is back in training for Leeds United. And? Is he, is he getting... Is he... No, he was running on a on a football pitch with boots on. Is he getting fit to leave? And look, I know there's not... that I mean, there's few people who listen to this pod who, are, who would care about championship leads. There's
0: few people who listen to this
2: pod. There's a more rounded point to this <laughs> outside of our listener base. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice in the modern era to have a player driven by like a goal other than money? And to, like, consider I was part of the reason this team fucking failed and got relegated. And you know what? I'm going to stick around and I'm going to contribute back, bringing leads to success. Sure. Is that is that it's not a answer. good sentiment? That's it's not... a good
0: sentiment. I'll let you have it. Um, who, who cares? Yeah. He may well be getting fit to leave, but that's that can only be a good thing for Leeds <laughs> as well, can't it? If I was an no, international dude.
1: footballer and I was stuck at Leeds fresh off an injury, I'd be doing everything I could to get myself out of there. So I assume so. Well,
2: no, like I think it's like... Cooper's Cooper's a mercenary, clearly. Because I also think if you...
0: Well, depends on how you look at it, but I think if you want to leave... Like me personally, if I wanted to leave, um, I'd want to be performing and I'd want to be fit and playing at my best. I wouldn't want to be sulking and hiding off the park.
2: Good. So you want Leeds to come back up is what I gather from all of that.
0: I want Leeds to come back up. Sure. Yeah. If you want to take that that out of it. Sure. Let's go Leeds. Let's go
2: Leeds. Uh, (laughs) Messi. Messi, Sammy. Yeah. We'll finish
0: on Messi. I think. Um, Big week. Had his debut for Inter Miami. Uh, Came off the bench. I believe he's also started a game since then as well. He started a game today or this morning. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch American football, but uh, he came on, scored a free kick. 94th minute as you do.
2: Do we care? That's my question. Does it matter? Uh,
0: I think it's a cool thing that happened, just to add on to the resume of the guy, but um not that it needed it, but it is just another little stepping stone, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but why why is it cool? Is it cool because LeBron James and Kim Kardashian's in the audience? Like what Look, what are we watching anymore? I don't know. I just think it's fun.
0: I like what I liked the most was the idea that um, you know, you could just be some pretty fairly mediocre footballer bumming around in the MLS and you all of a sudden you're playing with Messi and you're hugging him after he scores a free kick. You know, that's pretty, that's a pretty big deal for, I think a lot of guys.
1: Look, look, (laughs) I can't disagree with that. No, it's an interesting one. Um, It seems like they're going to end up as probably like a little bit of a, a destination club within Within the States now, LAFC had sort of opened themselves up as the team that people wanted to go and play for uh, in the MLS, but it seems now a little bit like potentially um, Messi there, Busquets there, that they might be, you know, more of a destination for people to finish careers at. Is that what the MLS
2: wants? Because I've always had this theory that when Australia rejected the idea of ageing marquees, but like league-wide, that our socceroos performed better. And you're looking at a US men's national team that didn't make the last World Cup. And so I'm wondering if this is actually a good thing for American football.
0: Yeah, who knows? Um, I'm not I'm not really sh I haven't thought about it enough to give you a good answer there, but um... they're doing
1: they're doing good things over there. I mean, they're having successes that that we wanted in football. I mean, well, they had this the the US Cup that they have going on in their football at the moment. We had LAFC play against LA Galaxy the other day. Um end of last month I believe and it was like eighty seven thousand people in Look, ten. Uh, like... i don't I don't
0: like any comparisons between what like what goes on in America and what goes on here with football I think it's just too obvious a connection to make we make it because a league and MLs uh, but like the just the sheer funding and population and size of the country alone is just we we cannot match that we can't possibly match that this is the country it's like the home of you know, commercialism and capitalism. We can't compete with what they have to offer there. So, um, you know, how much does it grow? I don't know. How much do I really want to, am I going to start investing in it or caring about it? I'm not sure either, but, um, you know, it's just fun to see Messi score a free kick in the 94th minute, isn't it?
2: I hope so. But that's what I'm wondering. Next season, do we have to start covering Saudi Arabia and the MLS? Because... These are now the prime destinations for players. Well, Depends
0: well. how much they want to pay us to. <laughs> yeah, pay us. Don't kill us. We might leave it there. I think that's a good place to end it. Um, Matilda's play tomorrow night against Nigeria. Just quickly, a score prediction from you both.
2: Oh, I'm really uh, hoping we win. You go on first, Tommy. Yeah, that's it. I just hope we win. I don't
0: care. As long, as That's such a weak, no score at all. That's such a weak prediction.
2: Cooper? I can't open myself up anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go nil or draw. Okay, oh. well, all right. <laughs> I think I think the Tillies win 2-0, but I wouldn't also be shocked if the Nigerian goalkeeper scored four because she's a smoky to score four, I heard. so. Um, I read that too. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, Keep getting around it. Thank you for listening. If you got this far, we'll uh, see you next week.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Peace, love.